Section twenty four of A Far Country by Winston Churchill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book three, chapter twenty one, part one. In spite of that unwanted note of pessimism from Mr. Watling, I went home in a day or two flushed with my new honours and it was impossible not to be conscious of the fact that my aura of prestige was increased tremendously increased by the recognition i had received a certain subtle deference in the attitude of the small minority who owed allegiance to the personage by whom i had been summoned was more satisfying than if i had been acclaimed at the station by thousands of my fellow-citizens who knew nothing of my journey and of its significance even though it might have a concern for them to men like beringer grierson and talent and our lesser great lights the banker was a semi-mythical figure and many times on the day of my return i was stopped on the street to satisfy the curiosity of my friends as to my impressions had he for instance let fall any opinions prognostications on the political and financial situation dickinson and scherer were the only other men in the city who had the honour of a personal acquaintance with him and scherer was away abroad gathering furniture and pictures for the house in new york nancy had predicted and which he had already begun to build with dickinson i lunched in private in order to give him a detailed account of the conference by five o'clock i was ringing the doorbell of nancy's new mansion on grant avenue it was several blocks below my own well how does it feel to be sent for by the great sultan she asked as i stood before her fire of course i have always known that ultimately he couldn't get along without you even if he has been a little late in realizing it i retorted sit down and tell me all about it she commanded i met him once when ham had the yacht at bar harbor and how did he strike you as somewhat wrapped up in himself said nancy we laughed together oh i fell a victim she went on i might have sailed off with him if he had asked me i'm surprised he didn't ask you i suspect that it was not quite convenient she said women are secondary considerations to sultans we're all very well when they haven't anything more serious to occupy them of course that's why they fascinate us what did he want with you hugh he was evidently afraid that the government would win the coal road suit unless i was retained more laurels she sighed i suppose i ought to be proud to know you that's exactly what i've been trying to impress on you all these years i declared i've laid the laurels at your feet in vain she sat with her head back on the cushions surveying me your dress is very becoming i said irrelevantly i hoped it would meet your approval she mocked i've been trying to identify the shade it's elusive like you don't be banal what is the colour poinsettia pretty nearly she agreed critically 
i took the soft crepe between my fingers poet she smiled no it isn't quite poinsettia it's nearer the red orange of a tree i remember one autumn on the white mountains with the sun setting on it but that wasn't what we were talking about laurels your laurels my laurels i repeated such as they are i fling them into your lap do you think they increase your value to me hugh i don't know i said thickly she shook her head no it's you i like not the laurels but if you care for me i began she lifted up her hands and folded them behind the knot of her hair it's extraordinary how little you have changed since we were children hugh you are still sixteen years old that's why i like you if you got to be the sultan of sultans yourself i shouldn't like you any better or any worse and yet you have just declared that power appeals to you power yes but a woman a woman like me wants to be first or nothing you are first i asserted you always have been if you had only realized it she gazed up at me dreamily if you had only realized it if you had only realized that all i wanted of you was to be yourself it wasn't what you achieved i didn't want you to be like ralph or the others myself what are you trying to say yourself yes that is what i like about you if you hadn't been in such a hurry if you hadn't misjudged me so it was the power in you the craving the ideal in you that i cared for not the fruits of it the fruits would have come naturally but you forced them hugh for quicker results what kind of fruits i asked ah she exclaimed how can i tell what they might have been you have striven and striven you have done extraordinary things but have they made you any happier have you got what you want i stooped down and seized her wrists from behind her head i want you nancy i said i've always wanted you you're more wonderful today than you have ever been i could find myself with you she closed her eyes a dreamy smile was on her face and she lay unresisting very still in that tremendous moment for which it seemed i had waited a lifetime i could have taken her in my arms and yet i did not i could not tell why perhaps it was because she seemed to have passed beyond me far beyond in realization and she was so still we've missed the way hugh she whispered at last but we can find it again if we seek it together i urged ah if i only could she said i could have once but now i'm afraid afraid of getting lost slowly she straightened up her hands falling into her lap 
i seized them again i was on my knees in front of her before the fire and she intent looking down at me into me through me it seemed at something beyond which yet was me hugh she asked what do you believe anything what do i believe yes i don't mean any cant cut-and-dried morality the world is getting beyond that but have you in your secret soul any religion at all do you ever think about it i'm not speaking about anything orthodox but some religion even a tiny speck of it a germ harmonizing with life with that power we feel in us we seek to express and continually violate nancy i exclaimed answer me answer me truthfully she said i was silent my thoughts whirling like dust atoms in a storm you have always taken things taken what you wanted but they haven't satisfied you convinced you that that is all of life do you mean that we should renounce i faltered i don't know what i mean i'm asking you asking haven't you any clue isn't there any voice in you anywhere deep down that can tell me give me a hint just a little one i was racked my passion had not left me it seemed to be heightened and i pressed her hands against her knees it was incredible that my hands should be there in hers feeling her her beauty seemed as fresh as unwasted as the day long since when i despaired of her and yet and yet against the tumult and beating of this passion striving to throb down thought thought strove though i saw her as a woman my senses and my spirit commingled and swooned together this is life i murmured scarcely knowing what i said oh my dear she cried and her voice pierced me with pain are we to be lost overpowered engulfed swept down its stream to come up below drifting wreckage where then would be your power i'm not speaking of myself isn't life more than that isn't it in us too in you thank you is there no god anywhere but this force we feel restlessly creating only to destroy you must answer you must find out i cannot describe the pleading passion in her voice as though hell and heaven were wrestling in it the woman i saw tortured yet uplifted did not seem to be nancy yet it was the woman i loved more than life itself and always had loved i can't think i answered desperately i can only feel and i can't express what i feel it's mixed it's dim and yet bright and shining it's you no it's you she said vehemently you must interpret it her voice sank could it be god she asked god i exclaimed sharply 
her hands fell away from mine the silence was broken only by the crackling of the wood fire as a log turned over and fell never before in all our intercourse that i could remember had she spoken to me about religion with that apparent snap in continuity incomprehensible to the masculine mind her feminine mood had changed elements i had never suspected in nancy awe even a hint of despair entered into it and when my hand found hers again the very quality of its convulsive pressure seemed to have changed i knew then that it was her soul i loved most i had been swept all unwittingly to its very altar i believe it is god i said but she continued to gaze at me her lips parted her eyes questioning why is it she demanded that after all these centuries of certainty we should have to start out to find him again why is it when something happens like like this that we should suddenly be torn with doubts about him when we have lived the best part of our lives without so much as thinking of him why should you have qualms i said isn't this enough and doesn't it promise all i don't know they're not qualms in the old sense she smiled down at me a little tearfully hugh do you remember when we used to go to sunday school at dr pound's church and mrs ewan taught us i really believed something then that moses brought down the ten commandments of god from the mountain all written out definitely for ever and ever and i used to think of marriage i felt a sharp twinge of marriage as something sacred and inviolable something ordained by god himself it ought to be so oughtn't it that is the ideal yes but aren't you confusing i began i am confusing and confused i shouldn't be i shouldn't care if there weren't something in you and me and our friendship something i can't explain something that shines still through the fog and the smoke in which we have lived our lives something which i think we saw clearer as children we have lost it in our hasty groping oh hugh i couldn't bear to think that we should never find it that it doesn't really exist because i seem to feel it but can we find it this way my dear her hand tightened on mine but if the force drawing us together that has always drawn us together is god i objected i asked you she said the time must come when you must answer hugh it may be too late but you must answer i believe in taking life in my own hands i said it ought to be life said nancy it it might have been life it is only when a moment a moment like this comes that the quality of what we have lived seems so tarnished that the atmosphere which we ourselves have helped to make is so sordid 
when i think of the intrigues and divorces the self-indulgences when i think of my own marriage her voice caught how are we going to better it hugh this way am i to get that part of you i love and are you to get what you crave in me can we just seize happiness will it not elude us just as much as though we believed firmly in the ten commandments no i declared obstinately she shook her head what i'm afraid of is that the world isn't made that way for you for me we're permitted to seize those other things because they're just baubles we've both found out how worthless they are and the worst part of it is they've made me a coward hugh it isn't that i couldn't do without them i've come to depend on them in another way it's because they give me a certain protection do you see they've come to stand in the place of the real convictions we've lost and well we've taken the baubles can we reach out our hands and take this won't we be punished for it frightfully punished i don't care if we are i said and surprised myself but i care it's weak it's cowardly but it's so and yet i want to face the situation i'm trying to get you to face it to realize how terrible it is i only know that i want you above everything else in the world i'll take care of you i seized her arms i drew her down to me don't she cried oh don't and struggled to her feet and stood before me panting you must go away now please hugh i can't bear any more i want to think i released her she sank into the chair and hid her face in her hands as may be imagined the incident i have just related threw my life into a tangle that would have floored a less persistent optimist and romanticist than myself yet i became fairly accustomed to treading what the old moralist called the devious paths of sin in my passion i had not hesitated to lay down the doctrine that the courageous and the strong took what they wanted a doctrine of which i had been a consistent disciple in the professional and business realm a logical buccaneer superman master of life would promptly have extended the doctrine to the realm of sex nancy was the mate for me and nancy and i our development was all that mattered especially my development let every man and woman look out for his or her development and in the end the majority of people would be happy this was going adam smith one better when it came to putting that theory into practice however one needed convictions nancy had been right when she had implied that convictions were precisely what we lacked what our world in general lacked we had desires yes convictions no what we wanted we got not by defying the world but by conforming to it we were ready to defy only when our desires overcame the resistance of our synopses and even then not until we should have exhausted every legal and conventional means 
a superman with a wife and family he had acquired before a great passion has made him a superman is in rather a predicament especially if he be one who has achieved such superhumanity as he possesses not by challenging laws and conventions but by getting around them my wife and family loved me and paradoxically i still had affection for them or thought i had but the superman creed is be yourself realize yourself no matter how cruel you may have to be in order to do so one trouble with me was that remnants of the christian element of pity still clung to me i would be cruel if i had to but i hoped i shouldn't have to something would turn up something in the nature of an intervening miracle that would make it easy for me perhaps maude would take the initiative and relieve me nancy had appealed for a justifying doctrine and it was just what i didn't have and couldn't evolve in the meantime it was quite in character that i should accommodate myself to a situation that might well be called anomalous this accommodation was not unaccompanied by fever my longing to realize my love for nancy kept me in a constant state of tension of nerves for our relationship had merely gone one step farther we had reached a point where we acknowledged that we loved each other and paradoxically halted there nancy clung to her demand for new sanctions with a tenacity that amazed and puzzled and often irritated me and yet when i look back upon it all i can see that some of the difficulty lay with me if she had her weakness which she acknowledged i had mine and kept it to myself it was part of my romantic nature not to want to break her down perhaps i loved the ideal better than the woman herself though that scarcely seems possible we saw each other constantly and though we had instinctively begun to be careful i imagine there was some talk among our acquaintances it is to be noted that the gossip never became riotous for we had always been friends and nancy had a saving reputation for coldness it seemed incredible that maude had not discovered my secret but if she knew of it she gave no sign of her knowledge often as i looked at her i wished she would i can think of no more expressive sentence in regard to her than the trite one that she pursued the even tenor of her way and i found the very perfection of her wifehood exasperating our relationship would i thought have been more endurable if we had quarrelled and yet we had grown as far apart in that big house as though we had been separated by a continent i lived in my apartments she in hers she consulted me about dinner parties and invitations for since we had moved to grant avenue we entertained and went out more than before it seemed as though she were making every effort consistent with her integrity and self-respect to please me outwardly she conformed to the mould but i had long been aware that inwardly a person had developed 
it had not been a spontaneous development but one in resistance to pressure and was probably all the stronger for that reason at times her will revealed itself in astonishing and unexpected flashes as when once she announced that she was going to change matthew's school he's old enough to go to boarding school i said i'll look up a place for him i don't wish him to go to boarding school yet hugh she said quietly but that's just what he needs i objected he ought to have the rubbing up against other boys that boarding school will give him matthew is timid he should have learned to take care of himself and he will make friendships that will help him in a larger school i don't intend to send him maud said but if i think it wise you ought to have begun to consider such things many years ago you have always been too busy to think of the children you have left them to me i am doing the best i can with them but a man should have something to say about boys he understands them you should have thought of that before they haven't been old enough if you had taken your share of responsibility for them i would listen to you maud i exclaimed reproachfully no hugh she went on you have been too busy making money you have left them to me it is my task to see that the money they are to inherit doesn't ruin them you talk as though it were a great fortune i said but i did not press the matter i had a presentiment that to press it might lead to unpleasant results it was this sense of not being free of having gained everything but freedom that was at times galling in the extreme this sense of living with a woman for whom i had long ceased to care a woman with a baffling will concealed beneath an unruffled and serene exterior at moments i looked at her across the table she did not seem to have aged much her complexion was as fresh apparently as the day when i had first walked with her in the garden at elkington her hair the same wonderful colour perhaps she had grown a little stouter there could be no doubt about the fact that her chin was firmer that certain lines had come into her face indicative of what is called character beneath her pliability she was now all firmness the pliability had become a mockery it cannot be said that i went so far as to hate her for this when it was in my mind but my feelings were of a strong antipathy and then again there are rare moments when i was inexplicably drawn to her not by love and passion i melted a little in pity perhaps when my eyes were opened and i saw the tragedy yet i am not referring now to such feelings as these i am speaking of the times when i beheld her as the blameless companion of the years the mother of my children the woman i was used to and should by all canons i had known have loved and there were the children days and weeks passed when i scarcely saw them and then some little incident would happen to give me an unexpected wrench and plunge me into unhappiness one evening i came home from a long talk with nancy that had left us both wrought up 
and i had entered the library before i heard voices maude was seated under the lamp at the end of the big room reading from don quixote matthew and biddy were at her feet and morton less attentive at a little distance was taking apart a mechanical toy i would have tiptoed out but biddy caught sight of me it's father she cried getting up and flying to me oh father do come and listen the story's so exciting isn't it matthew i looked down into the boy's eyes shining with an expression that suddenly pierced my heart with a poignant memory of myself matthew was far away among the mountains and castles of spain matthew demanded his sister why did he want to go fighting with all those people because he was dotty supplied morton who had an interesting habit of picking up slang it wasn't at all cried matthew indignantly interrupting maude's rebuke of his brother what was it then morton demanded you wouldn't understand if i told you matthew was retorting when maude put her hand on his lips i think that's enough for to-night she said as she closed the book there are lessons to do and father wants to read his newspaper in quiet this brought a protest from biddy just a little more mother can't we go into the schoolroom we shan't disturb father there i'll read to them a few minutes i said as i took the volume from her and sat down maud shot at me a swift look of surprise even matthew glanced at me curiously and in his glance i had as it were a sudden revelation of the boy's perplexity concerning me he was twelve rather tall for his age and the delicate modelling of his face resembled my father's he had begun to think what did he think of me biddy clapped her hands and began to dance across the carpet father's going to read to us father's going to read to us she cried finally clambering up on my knee and snuggling against me where's the place i asked but maude had left the room she had gone swiftly and silently i'll find it said morton i began to read but i scarcely knew what i was reading my fingers tightening over biddy's little knee presently miss allsop the governess came in she had been sent by maude there was wistfulness in biddy's voice as i kissed her good-night father if you would only read oftener she said i like it when you read better than anyone else maude and i were alone that night as we sat in the library after our somewhat formal perfunctory dinner i ventured to ask her why she had gone away when i had offered to read i couldn't bear it hugh she answered why i asked intending to justify myself she got up abruptly and left me i did not follow her in my heart i understood why End of section 24